Welcome back to Tales of Southwest Michigan's Past. This is Michael Delaware. I am your host. Today, I have a returning guest, T.R. Shaw, who's the author of the book Defy the Immediate. Now, T.R. is also a local historian, and he's very active in the city of Battle Creek on many projects. He serves as a board member of the Battle Creek Regional History Museum, for example. And one of the major projects he's working on is the 100th anniversary of the Kellogg Airport in Battle Creek. And that anniversary celebration is coming up in 2024. So there's quite a number of exciting events planned for next year in regards to this anniversary celebration. So I asked Mr. Shaw to join me again to talk about this. And But first, we're going to discuss some of the history of the airport and cover some interesting stories from over the last 100 years. Stories that I am sure that you probably have never heard. So welcome back to the show, TR. Thank you for taking time to be on the podcast today. Good. Glad to be here. Well, great. Well, TR, could you take a minute to introduce yourself? How did you come to be the chairman of the committee planning this major event next year? Uh, I like to think it's my inability to say no, but uh, I'm serving on the... Uh, <laughs> uh, one of the things I've been interested in aviation uh, for some time, I uh, and I serve on the city's airport advisory board uh which is uh sort of the board overseeing the airport doing that and then once i got on that i discovered that we we're gee our airport's going to be 100 years old in 2024 what are we doing about it and nothing uh-huh. had been done so i said well i'll see what i can do i said i've you know, I got a little connection to history and i've been around aviation been in the military so I had a few connections there and uh, uh decided to run with it and uh, spun off and uh, became chair of the committee that's kind of putting it all together in 2024. And it's turned out to be a little bit bigger project than I first imagined. Wow, I can imagine. It sounds like quite a task. We're we're rolling along and uh, it's coming quick. So, Well, I have a question for you. Do you have a background in aviation? My my background in aviation, I was was in... uh, Grew up here in Battle Creek. We had the Shaw Funeral Home here. And I went off after college. Actually, in college, I pursued journalism. And uh, when I graduated from college, I ended up going in the uh, Navy with the intention of being a public affairs officer. And uh, my first duty station was aboard the aircraft carrier Eisenhower, which is right now over in the uh, uh, near this big sandbox over there. but anyways, I was on that. So I was around aviation uh, as a uh, ship's company, and I spent a couple of years on an aircraft carrier. And then uh, my next ship, I went to an amphibious ship. And since I came from a carrier, they made me the flight deck officer. So I've been kind wow. of directly uh, around aviation uh, in a lot of different ways. And uh, it's always interested me, and I've always been interested in flying and uh, growing up, I followed the space program and all that. So, um, and I've more recently been uh, taking flight lessons and working on my own pi- pilot's license. So um, that's going along slowly. And um, I get to a certain age, it's uh, FAA puts you under microscope. So I'm having a little struggle with the FAA and getting my license. But mm. I've been around aviation for quite a while and I've been close to it. And, kind of an indirect way and now a little bit more uh, 
learned a whole lot about airports by flying and uh yeah. pretty interesting it's a heck of an industry and it's really the kellogg airport in a lot of ways was inspired by the wright brothers can we talk right. about some of that connection sure when uh, the wright brothers in 1906 i believe it was uh, flew at kitty hawk they set in motion uh something that has been in less than 100 years we've gone from kitty hawk to uh the space shuttle uh, so, but when they first started flying and then all of a sudden people were going, gee whiz, this is really something um, unique. And we, we finally figured out how to fly. And uh, so in the next few years, the Wright brothers, once they got perfected their aeroplane, uh, did it put together a flight demonstration team and they went around the country to, to show off what, uh, what aviation could be about, what it could be in the, the Wright flyer uh, with a, cadre of uh, half a dozen or so pilots went around the country uh, showing off what the potential of aviation was. And in 1911, over the 4th of July, um, July 1st through the 4th, one of the Wright brothers' uh, flyers came to Battle Creek and they awed everybody and just nobody had ever seen an airplane before. And uh, it flew all over Battle Creek and uh, people were just amazed by it. And uh, it actually landed in a ballpark. Uh, and during part of a 4th of July ceremony and uh, people got to see it up close and uh, it really sparked people's imagination what they wanted to do. And uh, after that, the city leaders and primarily the Battle Creek Chamber of Commerce decided we needed an airport and we needed, because there was one in Detroit at that time and uh, there weren't many others around the state yet. I'm, I'm not quite sure which one we were, whether we were uh, probably second, third, or fourth, probably right in that neighborhood. Um, so they went to work um, establishing an airport, looked at several sites. Well, at this time in, in 1917, um, Camp Custer was opened and established. And at that time, the Army was looking uh, at air power and what they that might mean for warfare and what they could do. And they were experimenting. And with this Camp Custer here, they had a air um, air park in there called Fox Field that was uh, uh, where they were experimenting with these airplanes, and it was adjacent to what uh, the Battle Creek time. And we, um, the chamber, went to work looking for spots to start an airport, and they finally found a suitable site. There was a farm. Uh, just west of Battle Creek, where the airport is today, a uh, farmer by the name of Garrett Wells. So they made an offer to him and they bought his uh, field out there and made a first grass runway and uh, started flying. They got it off, actually uh, completed and commissioned by the Department of Commerce and by 1924. So over about six or eight years, they developed it up and got it to the point where it could actually be an official airport. So 1924 is the actual date it was commissioned. And that's when it actually became an airport and then this grass field. So how did, how did Kellogg's name get involved with it? Well, after uh, the Army was here flying, they had this airfield out here. And the Army, of course, it, it abutted uh, Camp Custer at the time. So they were in the early 1920s, they were flying, uh, using the airport to for the Army, along with a couple of uh, enterprising people who could, get, could afford airplanes and started doing setting up businesses here. Um, but as the military was actually starting to grow, 
Um, the actually the very first uh, Major General Fetchett was his name. He came here um, as he was the uh, what was he? he was the Chief of Staff of the Army Air Corps. I think he was the first Chief of Staff, and he was the he was kind of the father of Army aviation at the time. And and he came here and was just wowed by this field that we had and this proximity to, to Camp Custer and all that. And um, this was in 1926, just a year after we got it started and got it going. And he looked it over and he, he made the remark that, you know, you have this absolutely fantastic uh, field here that shows a lot of potential. And I said, you really need to do, do something about it. And the, uh, the very next day, W.K. Kellogg, uh, stepped in and bought the airport uh, for $30,000 and uh, added another $30,000 for equipment to really upgrade it. And it really, uh, really started growing after them. And the chamber was still running it. And they decided against his will to name it the W.K. Kellogg Airport and uh, it became the W.K. Kellogg Airport in 1926 years after it was established and uh, Kellogg name has been part of it ever ever since and up till today's name. The official name today is the now the Battle Creek Executive Airport at Kellogg Field. Kind of a oh, lengthy lengthy title but Kellogg is still in the name. It went to WK Kellogg Airport, Kellogg Regional Airfield and then in, uh, it grew during the early 20s and then of course in 1929 when the uh, stock market crash we went into the depression uh things slowed down quite a bit for the airport and during the during the depression years the uh, uh that's when the city stepped in and took over and did a, uh, a levy for it and uh made it a part of the city and took it over from the chamber of commerce in the 1920s and then of course the stock market crash went through that and uh and then get up until the end of the, the depression when World War One or World War Two came along with the bombing of Pearl Harbor. Um, the uh, army stepped in and the army leased the entire airport from the city and uh, became a, a strictly a military airport from about 19, late 1942 uh, through the end of the war. And during the war years, they, they just, it was called Kellogg Field. And, uh, and what it was there is that uh, not only was the Army um, flying their established uh, presence there, but they were uh, bringing the aircraft here that were built at Willow Run. They were bringing uh, aircraft, basically the B-24s and the B-17s, were coming to Battle Creek to, uh, to be inspected and to be readied and prepped and be flown on to England World War II. So the uh, several hundred uh, new aircraft came to Battle Creek, were inspected by the Army. The Army took con command of them, uh, got them ready, and then they flew them off uh, in convoys over to Europe and primarily to England. Wow. So are there any stories from World War II? Oh, yeah. There's, uh, I think you covered it in one of your other podcasts about the uh, we had a, a gentleman who was the engineering um, head of the engineering department at Kellogg, who was also a, an aviator himself, and he volunteered to uh, to serve that. And so he became a, a, a pilot, and uh, 
uh, Colonel Frederick was his name, and he um, he was given command of a, a B-17 uh, that was at Kellogg Field getting it ready and all that. And this was in the first group of planes that were getting ready to go. Well, uh, being that he was with Kellogg and all that, he um, during during the war years, a lot of the planes um, had painted the noses of the planes, and they had uh, um, different designs on them or named for somebody. Well, he got an artist from uh, Kellogg to come out that he was friends with, and they painted Snap, Crackle, Pop on the nose of the B-17. And there's a picture of uh, all three of them riding a bomb on that. And uh, Snap, Crackle, and Pop, uh, he ended up leading the first group of B-17s out of Battle Creek in the early 1940s, taking them to England, uh, to the Molesworth Air Force Base in England, where they were staging to, to fly into World War II. And Snap, Crackle, and Pop, for the, the, the great story that they was, uh, flew several missions over France and Germany in World War II and was eventually shot down in World War II. And uh, when it was shot down, uh, the ball gunner underneath it was uh, blown out of the plane at 20,000 feet without a parachute, fell that entire distance, and landed on a glass ceiling of a train station in France and survived. And he was taken, he was captured, taken uh, prisoner of war, treated, and spent the rest of the war as a POW and recovering in the hospital there. And then he was released after the end of the war. But uh, he ended up uh, living into his, well into his 80s. And uh, it was a great story. But on top of that, that plane years later, uh, that nose art for Snap, Crackle, and Pop was recovered, and it's now in the uh, World War II Museum in Duxford, England, which was kind of a neat wow. story. But that, but that was one of many, uh, many aircraft that um, came through Battle Creek. We had hundreds of uh, bombers, fighters, and all that that came through World War II, and, uh, and that probably saved the base after the Depression and um, when things were getting back on track, um, having the, the being a military base was a uh, one of the great things that actually happened to it uh, from the airport's point of view. And it, uh, so the Kellogg Airport has been a stop for a lot of presidential visits over the years. Can, how many times has Air Force One landed here? Uh, the Air Force One has come here several times, um, going all the way back to Truman. Um, matter of fact, Truman oh. came here with a contingent. Uh, was probably when he was a senator. He was head of the um, Senate Armed Services Committee. And he was here to inspect the air base and uh, to inspect that and make, you know, to, and that was part of the reason that it expanded as much because Truman was really impressed with it. And he may have came back here as president at one time too, but ever since then, every president since Truman has been here at one point or another. Um, we've had, uh, it's the preferred airport in Michigan for Air Force One when it comes because of the size of the runway, the security they have here, its location, and uh, it, it's just been uh, it's been a, the preferred airport one uh, landing site in this area. And uh, one of the unique things that we had, um, of course, George Bush when he was uh, George H. W. Bush when he was here, he had uh, when he became president, he commissioned a new Air Force One, a seven forty seven, and that came here uh, when George Bush was here, and that was the new. Uh, 747 that had nobody had seen the here had seen the 747 
uh, Air Force One yet. So that was, I made an appearance here, which was kind of unique. And then uh, oh. during the last campaign, uh, December of, I believe, 2020 or 2019, uh, when President Trump was here, he flew into Air Force, through Air Force One into the Kellogg Field here. Uh-huh. And on top of that, Vice President Pence spoke in Grand Rapids the same day. And so we had the unique distinction of having both Air Force One and Air Force Two together on the tarmac. Uh, which never happens anywhere. So that was kind of a feather in our cap that we were able to host both Air Force One and Air Force Two at the same time. Wow. Wow. So the um, what are some of the events that are planned for next year with the 100th anniversary? Well, we got some great events planned. Um, the first thing we're going to do is we uh, this fall we're uh, going out to the schools and uh, getting students interested in aviation through art. Uh, we've gone out to the schools to have art teachers put together uh, aviation art and have students that uh, whatever they want to do with airplanes, with aviation art, and we're going to have a competition on that. And then we're going to have an exhibition at the Battle Creek Arts Center in March of next year. It will feature a lot of these young artists and kind of a way to get children interested in um in aviation and get some of the schools involved and do some of that. So it's, it's going to be kind of neat to see that. And then hopefully we're going to get some of them, maybe display them around town and uh, kind of help promote uh, the year throughout the year, different events and have some of their art available at different places. So that's, that's kind of a neat thing we're doing. Well, that's great. We, uh, the brass band of battle Creek is going to be doing a concert uh, with an aviation focus uh, in May of their concert, there'll be that. And we'll probably have some, uh, maybe some of that artwork and some of the things displayed at the concert. Um, so it'll be kind of neat to do that. And then uh, in uh, in the summer of next year, we're gonna be doing uh, hopefully an aviation symposium or a history symposium at the Regional History Museum, uh, bringing some uh, experts in aviation, or maybe some executives and some historians, maybe just talk a little bit about aviation history and have a community forum on aviation. That's kind of in the works yet, doing that. Um, on August 3rd, we're planning an open house at the uh, at the airport. Uh, that's still in the works, and that will probably might be a uh, possibly a fly-in pancake breakfast that would be open to the community to come out, see some of the airport, uh, see some of the tenants out there, uh, have some static displays, and just kind of have a day of celebration of the airport and involve the community in that. And that's still developing. And then in September of next year, uh, right around, I, I believe it's September 21, is um, the grand event. We're going we're gonna to host that at the Western Michigan School of Aviation. Uh, hopefully we'll have a a speaker talk a little bit about the history of the airport history of uh, aviation and maybe somebody one of the people we're looking hopefully may try to get is um, uh, we have an astronaut that's a graduate of Albion College who's also a, a naval aviator uh, which might be interesting to talk with or maybe some executives from the airlines to talk a little bit uh, so there's a lot of possibilities for that and part of that is going to be um, an unveiling of a plaque. We've got a big green historical plaques coming. All right. Uh, there's a lot that goes into that, a lot of details, and 
trying to condense a uh, hundred years of history onto a plaque is, uh, is, is quite a feat. We've written up something and mm-hmm. going in, it'll probably be cut down edited. But anyways, that plaque is going to be out there in front of uh, Western Michigan Flight School, which is the old terminal uh, near the big airplane they've got out there. And uh, that'll be the grand part of the grand event. We'll be unveiling that plaque and having that there. Wow, that should be great for Battle Creek. It's always great to have all these historical markers around town. And um, we're also working on a book, uh, History of the Airport, and that should be coming out probably next summer or uh, toward the end of next summer. A lot of, we have tons of pictures from uh, all the eras, the different things we've done, different uh, things that have happened there, the different airplanes, the military. Uh, there's so much that's gone on out there. There's just, it's condensed it all down into a book. It's, it's, it's another, another feat that's proven to be a little bit bigger than we imagined. So Wow. Sounds like a lot of exciting events uh, happening in Battle Creek. And I know that the, the dedication plaque, that's like a ribbon cutting on that plaque, right? That's going to happen. Right. Yeah. There's a lot of detail that goes into doing that. And what I understand is that once we've submitted the, the verbiage for it, it goes in to be edited. And there's, a, I guess, somebody in the history department at Eastern Michigan reviews it and makes it fit the, the plaque and whatever. So, so I'm not sure what all is going to be on it. We try to hit the high points and get all that in there. But uh, so many good things have happened. You know, we've got so many things there right now. We've got the Western Flight School, which is it's one of the top flight schools in the nation. We're very proud of that. They have over 1,500 student pilots there uh, flying. I just looked at the uh, flight aware, and they've got probably eight or ten planes up right now flying. And uh, any given day, they might have 300 flights a day uh, through the mm-hmm. flight school. And we've got Duncan Aviation down there that has the um, one of the largest jet maintenance facilities in the nation, and they do – there's planes coming and going there at any given time. They've got at least 30 corporate jets they're working on doing anything from avionics to uh, reupholstering to mechanical to paint jobs. Uh, it's just it's a phenomenal, uh, phenomenal facility. And then, of course, Waco, uh, if you've been out there to the, uh, the restaurant, they've got a great restaurant that looks out over the thing. But they're also, that's their, their claim to fame is they're building the uh, – 1930 vintage biplanes and they're building today's standards kind of sport planes. So there's a lot going on out there. Part of our reason for doing this is make people aware uh, of what the airport has, what it's all about. Um, In the 1980s, all the uh, passenger traffic was moved over to Kalamazoo. And since then, people just don't realize that there's no passenger traffic there that nothing goes on out there, and that couldn't be farther from the truth. It's one of the busiest places in the community. It's also one of the uh, community's biggest economic engines and one of the collectively one of the biggest employers in the community. So it's uh, it's wow. uh, very well respected in the aviation world and uh, very well known uh, around. And just, uh, Battle Creek, you kind of got to sell it to yourself in Battle Creek sometimes. Yeah. For a long time, they had the A-10 Warthogs out there stationed at the military base. Right. And they're no longer there anymore, right, as of about no. like 2000, uh, somewhere in the 2000s, they, they left? Yeah, we, um, in 2005 it was, um, after, mm. well, what we had, um, the, actually the Air Guard started in 1947, and right after the war, 
and that's when the Air Force created the Air Guard and all that. And at the time, uh, Governor Sigler, Kim Sigler was the governor of Michigan, who was a World War II aviator himself, and he uh, had a strong interest in aviation. He did a lot for the airport, and he actually uh, commissioned the first Michigan Air National Guard squadron, the 127th uh, Wing here in Battle Creek, flying the P-51 Mustang. And uh, since then, we've had uh, all of the major uh, jets, the F-86, the, the Sabre, the um, several different things, all the way up through the A-10. And the A-10 uh, was moved over to Selfridge. In 2005, um, the, it's called the BRAC, the Base Realignment and Closure Commission, uh, set out to shut down a lot of uh, military bases around the country. And uh, our Air Guard base was put on the BRAC list, and we valiantly fought that fight. And uh, we kept the base, and we were one of the few, well, actually, we were the only Air National Guard base in the nation that was taken off the BRAC list. But wow. the consequence was that uh, they moved the A-10s over to Selfridge, which was in some ways it was political, but once we had a 10,000-foot runway, we had uh, uh, plans for other aircraft to come, and we were supposed to have a mission for the C-27, and the C-27 didn't didn't pan out, and they didn't decided not to build it, which was a transport plane. And our present, uh, although you don't see it, we do have a control station there flying the MQ-9 Reaper, the unmanned aerial um aircraft that uh, actually they, they they fly them in Battle Creek and then they're actually their field of operation is the Middle East so there are people here in Battle Creek right now that are probably flying uh, surveillance over in Israel and other places around over there which is kind of mm. people don't realize that's uh, what what we have with that and that's, that's pretty amazing that we have a place like that and the Air Guard still here has up to uh, 700 airmen here that um, both active and reserve that uh, participate here in various uh, things other than there's a cyber command and another couple other commands out there that so we do have still have a huge military presence only you likely don't see them that's part of the, wow. the problem that we have is they're kind of under the radar so to speak most of them i would imagine that some of the air the air flight groups still fly into Battle Creek occasionally because I seem to recall seeing A-10 Warthogs since 2005, but that may have been part of the field of flight air show. Sure. We still have uh, quite a bit of uh, military aircraft that come in once in a while. Um, okay. They're doing operations. Of course, out of Fort Custer, a lot of the Army, the uh, helicopters are out there and they do a lot of that. So they may be flying from the airport for fuel and going Back and forth. So we do have a lot of military activity still at the airport and at Fort Custer, so uh, which is pretty amazing too. For people, just kind of don't really see. We also, and from my point of view, I, was, I retired from the Navy Reserve out there, and we do have a uh, quite a substantial Navy Reserve facility at Fort Custer now that people don't really realize is there. And uh, about 10 years ago, they consolidated the Naval Reserve Centers from Grand Rapids and Lansing to Battle Creek. So Battle Creek hosts probably the major Navy Reserve facility in, in Michigan right now. So so also, the we mentioned the field of flight that happens around the 4th of July weekend. That's um, right. 
going to happen next year? Is that part of, are you integrating that as part of the 100th anniversary? Are they picking up on that theme with their planning of it this year? We're planning to, uh, um, they're going to do some of the promotion of it with their logo and their website too. Uh-huh. Uh, really, it's just, uh, that's an event unto itself. We may have a presence there doing some publicity for it and just doing some uh, awareness things, but we aren't really too engaged in that yet because that's kind of its own own creature and it's uh, kind of trying to integrate it. Yeah. That would be pretty good, but it just, well, I may have some awareness around there for that and some signage and things and do a few things okay. to promote it. So. Well, great. Well, any last minute things you'd like to tell us about the 100th anniversary and some of the history of the airport, TR, before we wrap up today? No, I think we covered most of it. It's, uh, I said it's got a long, uh, long list of uh, everything from air shows to balloons to uh, mm-hmm. um, some great things have happened here over the years. Some of the great visitors we've had, uh, some of the legends of aviation have been here. Amelia Earhart was here. I believe uh, Charles Lindbergh was here at one time. Uh, we've had, uh, some of the celebrities and many people have flown through here and, uh, wow. been on a crossroad for a lot of things, a lot of firsts. We had, uh, when Ford was making his tri-motor and starting to get into aviation, they flew here quite frequently. And, uh, uh they started, Epsil Ford started the first airline here and was flying the tri-motor here in, uh, early 19, late 1920s and the thirties, we were, uh, had a passenger service here flying the Ford Trimotor that was actually run by Edsel Ford. So, wow. so, so a, lot of, a lot of little things like that that we've uh, covered again. People that are interested can go out to the airport and um, at the BTL executive office and see some of the photos on the walls. They've got some, uh, a little bit of exhibits out there that you, you could take a sure. look at. So yeah, and also on the, uh, the website for the airport is flybtl.com. Okay. Um, B- BTL is that, and on that we have a tab on there with history. So there's some pictures and things you can take a look at, and that'll be also be where we'll be putting our uh, information and putting things that uh, going on, and uh, hopefully it'll be kind of the source point for that. So there are there tours out there as well. Uh, that would probably have to be arranged, but uh, we're looking into doing that too. So okay. Well, it has been a pleasure having you on today, T.R. I have been speaking with T.R. Shaw. He is the author of the book, Defy the Immediate. He's also a local historian, and he's working on the 100th anniversary celebration for the Executive Airport at Kellogg Field in 2024. So it's going to be a year-long series of events, and I'm sure you'll hear a lot more about that as it comes out. And uh, once again, appreciate you coming on, TR. It's been great having you here. Great chatting with you, and we'll do it again sometime. All right. And so, folks, if you'd like to reach out to me, you can find me at michaeldelaware.com. I'm always happy to hear from my listeners. And if you would like to support the work that I am doing here, uh, take a minute to leave a rating or review on whatever app that you are listening on. And also head on over to Facebook and find Michael Delaware Author and follow that page because there's going to be a lot more upcoming announcements coming in the future, especially at the first part of 2024. And I'll be sure to share information about the 100th anniversary on that page as well. And until next time, when we take another journey into yesterday and we explore even more fascinating tales of Southwest Michigan's past, thank you for listening.